0: What's up, guys? Episode 35 in store for you. Week 10 of the NFL season. We get to the good and the bad of last week. Kyler Murray was phenomenal. Two-point Tom was terrible. Uh, we get some eye-opening stats for you. About the midpoint of the season, trying to make your playoff push in those seasonal leagues. Well, Dynasty Nuggets in there as well. We wrap up the show with rapid fire for Week 10. Great slate of games coming at you uh, this week in the NFL. Go follow us on social media at Talk. And on Apple Podcasts, give us that five star review. Let's roll.
1: This is Darren Waller, and you're listening to the Tutty Talk Podcast. Streaming from beautiful Portland, Oregon, for all things fantasy football. This is the Tutty Talk Podcast.
2: Look him turn back and forth. Oh, he broke his ankles. He did what? It's a attack. I'm really not into dreams anymore. Okay? I'm into the nightmares. A lot of people ain't gonna be able to take that over and 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 over again. you like that! You
1: like that! Here are your hosts, Bryce Wells.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. I'm going to put you on blast.
1: Kevin Nelson.
0: It's a damn shame because Pete Carroll is wasting Russell Wilson and there's nothing we can do about it.
1: And Chase Duskelos.
0: No!
2: Lamar Jackson is going to be a top five quarterback.
0: Week 10 is here. Welcome into the show. Teddy Talk, episode 35, week 10 of the NFL season. Kevin, Bryce, Chase, Bryce, as always, start with you on this 11th day, Veterans Day. Of November. What's up, dude?
1: Yeah, thanks to all of our vets out there. We really appreciate the freedoms you've allowed us to have in this beautiful country we live in. It's been it's been a good week. Uh work's been a little slow, but uh fantasy is never not slow. And last week was good. I'm staring down the barrel of a couple different um leagues where I am making a solid, solid push. For a championship, I'm almost locked in in playoffs for a handful of those leagues. So really excited to to get the ball rolling in
0: week ten. Love it, Chase. What's up?
2: I I don't think I could be better. Uh, c- can you be better than nine and zero? I'm just, oh.
0: just just curious. Damn. No. Yes, okay. Ch- Chase is nine and zero
2: in the. Yeah, we, we talk about we talk about the Buffalo Dip League a bunch, but we never give like official official check ins here. So oh,
1: I'm feeling great about my team. Uh, I'm gonna shock the world out here. Uh, I uh, I have I don't have the gauntlet in the next couple weeks, but uh, I, I I have the best shot at uh, taking down nine and zero Chase Daskalos. That's for sure.
2: Mm, it's, it's like sort of, but when I'm scoring one ninety eight, it, it doesn't Oof. really matter. Especially when I'm getting five points each. From Chris Godwin, Hollywood Brown, and Mike Geseki, and still putting up one ninety eight.
1: When do uh, when do we play each other? Week thirteen. Uh, we'll, we'll, week thirteen. We'll come back uh, to the the episode that week and we'll rehash the uh, recap on that.
2: Yeah, because that one really matters.
0: <laughs> Damn. Well, okay.
2: You know, I'm, I'm being, doing. I'm being rude. I'm sorry. I'm having fun with my team. Nine and zero. I rebuilt really fast. Um, really. Kyler Murray's QB two. He's he's on my team and Lamar Jackson. Dalvin mm-hmm. Cook is RB one. He's on my team. Tyree Kill, wide receiver one, on my team. You do the math. We kind of get to nine and zero pretty quickly
0: there, pretty pretty easily with that squad. Um, I'm doing all right. You know, I, I in a lot of leagues, I'm I'm definitely in contention. I would say, and 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 a couple seven two teams uh, in seasonal leagues, which is you know super fun and um trying to throw some feeler trades out there, see what you can get. Do it now before it's too late. If you take a look at those playoff schedules, take a look at what. What guys are doing? If you feel like you're going to be locked in the playoffs, unless there's like a first round buy to go for, you know, start making those trades and and go sell the guy that maybe performs now that has a a pretty tough schedule come fantasy playoff time. But with that, let's jump into the good and the bad. It's Chase's quarterback. It's Arizona's quarterback. He is on an absolute firestorm of a tear. Kyler Murray, twenty one of twenty six, for just two hundred eighty three yards, but three touchdowns and 11 carries for 106 yards and a touchdown. He also fumbled. He's phenomenal. And we're going to talk about it later in, in the show, but he's the best quarterback of all time in fantasy football scoring through nine weeks of the NFL season. And I think a lot of people saw this coming, maybe not in 2020. His development has been sparked by, not only DeAndre Hopkins in the offense and joining the team in his first season, but Christian Kirk and his his breakout that Chase called, maybe not this late into the season we were just talking about, but it's here, and he looks phenomenal. doesn't matter who the running back is, whatever the is going to do, they're going to pound away up the middle, and the second guy is going to get all the, the nice-looking looks on third down and, and things like that. But Tyler Murray has been really, really good this year, and I don't think anybody's going to top him. Uh, as not only quarterback one, but if he wins the West, he's going to win MVP.
1: I don't really feel like, and I'm just going to preface this by saying Kyler Murray has been phenomenal, but I, I, I still, um, I think what's really helped Kyler out this year has has been his schedule, right? Like you take a look uh, week one, San Francisco, then Washington, then Detroit, then Carolina, then the Jets, then Dallas and Seattle, then Miami's really been the only team to somewhat challenge him with a defense that can probably do something and and it's not getting any harder for the rest of the year for him Uh, I I guess if you're if you're looking at it, week 13 uh, against the Rams is really the the only challenge that Kyler Murray is going to face Um, but nevertheless he's been absolutely phenomenal and um, he, he it's just his running ability is great he's a much better passer than he was last year. Uh, thank God for that. And it's exciting in dynasty, especially if you're a Kyler Murray owner right now because you're not you don't have to do anything. You can you can li- literally just hold him, not have to worry about a, a damn thing. And he's basically uh a, a, he's a top 3 option right now in dynasty. And I I do really admire what Christian Kirk is doing right now. I think at the beginning of the year, I was a little hesitant. I wanted to uh, see it before I believed it, and we have seen that the last three weeks. It's great to see another weapon uh, kind of establish himself in that offense for Kyler Murray. I think going forward, Christian Kirk has to be considered as a a high-ceiling flex play or even like a wide receiver three at this point because the The potential of him going for a couple touchdowns or uh, a, a seven plus catch game is, is very possible now, especially looking like I said at the rest of the year of the schedule. It's just a cakewalk for for the Arizona Cardinals.
2: Yeah, I'm happy with Kirk. I actually missed quite a bit because I thought he would be playing in the slot, uh, and he's playing out wide. They still have giving slot snaps to Fitzgerald and Andy Isabella. Uh, we joke about when he lines up in the slot, he's just hunched over like a little rocket, and right when the ball's is snapped, he runs a goal route every single time. And I thought, again, like that Christian Kirk was going to be operating more in the slot. That's not what, that's not what's going on. But regardless, the last three weeks, he's looked awesome. And uh, Kev, you mentioned most fantasy points by a quarterback through uh, the first eight games all time was Kyler Murray this year. At number one, 240.5. Four points behind him is Russell Wilson this year, 236. And then just the names on this list. You got Steve Young in 1998, 224 points. Tom Brady in 2007, 223. Patrick Mahomes, insane year, 2018. 222.9 fantasy points. Kyler Murray. Remember when the world was lit on fire? by Patrick Mahomes. Kyler's outscored him by 18 points. Crazy. Uh, Aaron Rodgers in 2011, Peyton Manning in 2013. One thing I pointed out this morning when I saw the stat is it's nuts to me that really the only two rushers on this list are Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. And I wouldn't even consider – Russell Wilson is capable, but he's not getting 10, 15 carries a game like Lamar and like Kyler Murray are. So it was just wild to me to see Steve Young, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes Uh, Aaron Rodgers, these pocket passers, put up numbers like that, that 222. Because Kyler Murray has more than eight rushing touchdowns this year, I believe, which obviously the rushing touchdown for a quarterback is worth more than the passing touchdown. And that's what's really like vaulted him into this historic territory. But it's also something that we had called for with how bad Arizona was in the red zone last year. Um, with Zane Gonzalez kicking an incredible amount of field goals from inside like the 25-yard line. So it's this positive progression that's coming here. Uh, I think I mentioned even before we saw what he did against Miami that I have sort of fanboyishly moved Kyler Murray as into the Dynasty quarterback one slot. And QB one for the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, I, I think he can easily... He could that permanent marker on the on the rest of the season um, with how he's throwing the ball and, and the rushing upside, like you said. It, it's crazy. And it, nobody can tackle the guy. He doesn't get sacked. He he knows when to slide. All those good things, which uh, we haven't really seen from Lamar as much. And Lamar pointing out today, teams know our plays before it's happening. There is so much deception and creativity in that Arizona offense, um, especially when the play breaks down for Kyler. And no shit the defense is going to know. I mean, you, you've, Throw for two hundred maybe yards a game. At of course teams are going to. I know. mean, la- but last year they they were unstoppable.
1: He was still a better passer than he than he was this year. You know that that's that's what's the crazy thing. It's just it, it it's so frustrating being a, an owner of anybody in that Baltimore offense. We're getting off topic. Let's let's go let's go forward.
0: On to the bad. It was Tom Brady on Sunday night, maybe the most highly anticipated game since they played each other in Week One. It was the Saints and the Bucks in Tampa. And two point Tom went twenty two for thirty eight for two hundred and nine yards, not one, not two, but three interceptions in Antonio Brown's first game as a Tampa Bay Buck. They just looked flat. They looked bad. Tom looked bad. Tom looked rattled. Tom couldn't find anybody. He was dinking and dunking it down the field. The Saints D was all over him. They were all over Mike Evans. This is just this is just a bad game. And it happens, you know, nobody's perfect. I would fully expect any quarterback in the NFL to have a game like this. It's just weird to see it from Tom Brady uh, in primetime in a big game. The Saints are now the only team in NFL history to have swept Tom Brady in the same season, beaten him twice in the same division, albeit he played in the NFC East for 20 years.
1: I uh, I kind of called this game being a snooze fest, but I didn't expect it to go this way. In the sense that Tom Brady was going to throw three interceptions and, and 209 yards. It's just a uh, good friend, New Orleans. You know, it kind of felt like there was a little bit of time where they were out of the discussion for uh, competing in the NFC. In the sense that the Bucks just looked like the better team, looked like the best team, and and, and that's clearly not the case. And maybe maybe we're overreacting a little bit to this game, but at the same time, it's kind of it's kind of a big game, you know. Like you said, they've lost to New Orleans twice now, and in both of those games, uh, Tom Brady's turned the ball over five ty- total times. Like that's that's something to keep an uh, keep an eye on, and and I think that gives New Orleans some momentum uh, for the rest of the season in that division and i looking at the rest of the schedule for the bucks carolina that should be uh, interesting uh, carolina has been playing you know playing opponents pretty well the rams kansas city minnesota and atlanta and detroit and atlanta again i mean that that's where they're going they're going to go 4-0 those last 4 weeks but um i think i think new orleans is going to going to make it tough for them and I, I still think Tom Brady is an auto start for you if you have him for the rest of the season. Like I just said, the schedule uh, is a little tough here in the next couple of weeks, and then it, it lightens up uh, for your fantasy playoffs. So uh, just just be a calm, patient. Uh, Tom Brady will bounce back. He's the goat. He he, he will uh, provide you with some points. Uh, this this is going to be his worst performance of the year by far. Are you are you trading
0: for Tom now, Chase?
2: I would. What I was going to say is I don't have like much to say about Tom Brady because this is just a classic letdown spot, weird game. That's it. Like He's been phenomenal this year. They're still throwing the ball a bunch. And, I, yeah, I, I would trade for Tom if somebody's low on him after this. Um, again, they just added Antonio Brown. That's going to take a little bit to mesh. He actually led the team in air yards, which is super interesting. And I, on paper, you look at this Tampa Bay team. And, uh, you have Leonard Fournette. <laughs> And Ronald Jones in the backfield, Rob Gronkowski at tight end, and your three wide receivers are Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown. Like, absolutely stacked. How does a performance like this happen that we that we saw, where he scored what two point something fantasy points? Kind of inexcusable, but again, this shit shit happens in the NFL. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it's just just sort of a trap game, miss whatever. Yeah, go get. Go get Tom Brady. So that's what I was going to say fantasy-wise. NFL-wise, here we go again into the revolving door of we've been asking this question two or three times the last three weeks. Who's the best team in the NFC? Because now we get another wrench thrown in here where it was Tampa and then it wasn't Tampa. And then it was back to Tampa. And now Tampa gets waxed by New Orleans, who now just got Michael Thomas back. And now kind of New Orleans looks like the best team in the NFC. I don't know. What do you guys think?
0: Well, it's not Seattle.
1: I mean, <laughs> yeah. I think we gotta we gotta include Green Bay in this conversation, right? I, as much as we aren't the biggest fans oh, of Aaron sure. Rodgers, and Green Bay
2: fell out of our of everyone's minds because they lost to Minnesota, who's terrible.
1: Yeah, exactly, dude. What a yeah. I completely kind of blanked on that. Tom Brady's still the quarterback seven this this year. He's averaging yeah. twenty points a game. Uh, there's nothing. It, it's just a down game. It's a down week for Tom Brady. They're playing uh, an efficient pass rushing team.
0: It's going to happen. Just just keep playing them. Here's the salty part, though. Happened on Sunday night, and the game on Monday night was Mm Jets-Pats. Not many people had anybody playing in those games, in that game on Monday. So you had Tom Brady likely needing to score you anywhere from 5 to 20-plus points. And he's been good for what? Average, you just said, 20-point-something? QB7 on the year? Yep, yep. Okay, and then he scores you two. I think a lot of people, in, in two quarterback leagues especially, they're wanting to trade. Some, give me something else, especially if you, that lost you the week. If you're a team that can go get Tom Brady and you don't have a solid number two quarterback, why wouldn't you make that move?
2: Yeah, Tom Brady got score, outscored by the best football player uh, in the NFL. Taysom Hill, Oh quarterback.
0: He almost got outscored by the second best player in the NFL, Barkevius Mingo. <laughs> Barkevius Mingo, wow. Had a, had a rush for 10 yards. Almost almost got you, Tom. Watch out for Bark Mingo. Bark for, bark for Mingo. Okay, uh, on to the running backs. We have Christian McCaffrey as the good running back of the week because we can't use him next week. Why? Because he's out. 18 carries for 69 yards nice 10 receptions for 82 yards and a score and he's gone it's funny we we were watching the games on red zone and uh it was kind of away from the play but McCaffrey goes down and they they cut right away to another game and we all kind of looked at each other and went "Uh uh-oh that didn't look good as he slowly got up shoulder injury collarbone that sort of thing gonna miss this week maybe more kind of week to week and as tough as christian mccaffrey is coming back from a high ankle sprain and looked phenomenal in this game um we told you not to drop mike davis and here we are and i can't tell you how many leagues it's happened where uh, mike davis was on waivers this week or mike davis was on waivers last week when McCaffrey came back and if you were lucky enough to scoop him up he's probably in your starting lineup this week uh, and you can feel pretty confident with what you saw from him earlier this season.
1: I don't have a whole lot to say about McCaffrey other than he is seeking out a second opinion on his shoulder, which is never a good sign. Usually when, obviously when you're seeking out a second opinion, it's cause you didn't like the first one. So it's probably, uh, you know, his year's probably done and yeah, if you have Mike Davis, you're feeling pretty good right now. Cause yeah, that's your third RB who's who can perform as a one or two. And I was telling people to trade him, and now you're kind of looking at a gold mine in Mike Davis. And that Panthers team is is putting the ball in a lot of different hands, but Mike Davis seems like the most reliable option, to be honest, in that offense to to play in fantasy. Am I wrong?
2: Mm, with McCaffrey out, n- no. Probably highest floor, right?
1: Has to be. I mean, DJ Moore's been uh, kind of – overshadowed by uh robert yeah, yeah. Robbie anderson curtis samuels in the mix now uh, it's just it's it's kind of getting tougher for the pass catchers and, and mike davis has has an easy floor a uh, completely safe option at least it is in my mind
2: yeah you have like borderline goose egg risk from like dj Moore now it's wild curtis samuel looks better than him
1: yeah I, Curtis Samuel is finally getting used uh, in, in a way that he probably should have been used all season. It's taken him some some weeks to get there, but you now he's taking carries and, and doing pretty well with those carries. <laughs> he had nine catches last week for over 100 yards. So that's, uh, you know, target distribution makes it kind of tough for guys like DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, who, uh, especially Robbie Anderson, who was in the top 10 for a bit. And I'm starting to think that that's going to dip with Curtis Samuel getting involved.
0: You're kind of hoping for three catches, 90-ish yards, and a touchdown for DJ Moore, which is sad. Yeah. Sad. And he's done that this year. He did against Atlanta. Uh, All right. On to the bad running back of the week. It was James Conner. Nine carries, 22 yards, two receptions, negative two yards. Bad. I don't have much to say about James Conner they were down in this game the entire time, which was shocking and a fun game to watch, keep track of all the afternoon games were great, but at Dallas, they weren't in any way, shape or form trying to run the balls. This is pretty easy to see in his, uh, on the box score. And it was quite the opposite of what you thought going into it. They were going to get a big lead. They were going to score some touchdowns early and they were going to hammer away with James Conner and company. So the ESPN projections fucked you, didn't they? Well, nobody could have predicted this. So I like to point the finger at Matthew Berry and those guys sometimes, but you know, this, this is just how the game script goes sometimes. And James Connor uh, got the short end of the stick uh, at Dallas.
1: It has to be game script related. James conner has been one of the most consistent running backs, surprisingly in 2020, uh, just in the matter of getting new fantasy points uh, over double digits uh, every week for the most part. Um, we, I, We're going to rehash this in our DFS episode on Saturday, but I almost picked James Conner as my play of the week. Thank God I didn't. Um, It just kind of seemed like this was a smash opportunity for him. You knew he was going to get the carries, but you had no idea that Dallas was going to be able to make this game interesting offensively, and that just kind of swayed in a direction that doesn't favor James Conner. He had the lowest snap share since week one in that game. And, and I'm I'm just saying this is an outlier game in my opinion. I think this was we can we can apply this completely to the game script being the main issue for the James Connor production in Week Nine.
2: Yeah, he just again the process was 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 there, right? Like nobody would expect <laughs> Dallas to be leading this game, and for Dallas to blow the game, which I'm pissed about because I just wanted them to win, right? Everyone was, everyone was rooting for Dallas, right there, and they freaking blew it that sucked but yeah process was good um i kind of missed in a sense on my flag plant as well mine was chase edmonds um again process was there uh, touches were there i said that i thought he might play 100% of the snaps i think he played like 97% and he got like 25 plus carries and you can't ask for anything more than that um at 6800 on draftkings is what he was so i'm not and i'm not like bummed about what he did he it's weird because he looked like Kenyon Drake. They're just plunging Chase Edmonds into the middle and not using him how I thought they should use him uh, like he's Chase Edmonds and a good pass catcher. He had two receptions for eighteen yards or something like that. Like c- come on, like you gotta we know that throwing to running backs is really advantageous, especially throwing to Chase Edmonds, and they didn't do it, and they just just buried it in his chest. He averaged like two something yards per carry, and it, it was disappointing because the volume was there, snap share was there, everything was there. the The game hit the over. Uh, Arizona scored twenty eight points, but two of them were to the God I don't even know the tight end that made that crazy catch. Someone Daniels or something like that. And the Terrell
0: Daniels, yeah, Terrell
2: Daniels and Max Williams, yeah, were, were two of the touchdowns. And then Kyler gets a rushing touchdown, and Christian Kirk catches a bomb and you just kind of expect that in a team that scores 28 points that a, a running back with 25 plus touches playing almost 100% of the snaps would find his way into the end zone it's just how it works sometimes you need to get in the end zone
0: maybe a good week for James Conner to hop back on the horse in DFS to get the Bengals after a bye i think so, bro
1: i think i think both conner and Chase Edmonds are are set up to smash in this next week, uh, they both are going to have a bounce back. I think that that's that's very likely.
0: All right, on to wide receiver. The good, DJ Chark. Best game of the season? Uh, Maybe. He also had a good one in week four at Cincinnati, but seven catches, 146 yards, scored a touchdown on 12 targets from Jake Luton, 27.6 fantasy points of PPR. I, I... was one of those people that didn't start DJ Chark, because I thought, oh, God. You know, I saw enough of Jake Luton in college. I saw enough of him at Oregon State to go, I I don't know about this. And and the rumors of him opening up the offense and all, I guess they were true because Jake Luton was yearning and burning. He was running in touchdowns, and he was looking the way of DJ Chark 12 fucking times. So, <laughs> Moving forward, they've got a, a tough slate of defenses. They got Green Bay, Pittsburgh, Cleveland's been pretty good defensively. You get into the kind of fantasy playoffs of Minnesota, Tennessee, Baltimore, Chicago, week 16. It's not going to be easy, but for I guess one more week, maybe, maybe with Jair on him, not. <laughs> it could just be one of those random outliers. If I have DJ Chark at season one, maybe looking to trade him after this huge performance. Because what we saw in previous weeks, I know with a di- different quarterback, it was not good. Yeah, but you boom like this, it's time to go. Yeah, I think you've got that right. Uh, I p- I picked up DJ Chark off the waivers
1: uh, because of Jake Luton being the starting quarterback, and I also did not play him. Uh, it's against Houston. The defense is obviously vulnerable. We know that, but it is going to be tough to want to play DJ Chark going forward. Like you said, <clears throat> excuse me. Like you said, Green Bay, Pittsburgh. Then Cleveland. And then it gets easier with Minnesota and then Tennessee, Baltimore, Chicago. Uh so yeah, trade him now. This is the this is the last second opportunity to do so. I think, you know, recency bias plays in people's minds. This is this is that time to try to move DJ Chark. And I think he's actually a guy that you will you 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 will get a deal done because of this last week and, and the fact that we know what he did last year and what he's capable of. And I think if you are unable to trade DJ Chark or move off of him. You're just banking on Luton, give, giving him the volume like he did against Houston, and I think it. I think that's going to happen. But I think it's also going to be uh, obviously a lot tougher with the defenses he's playing in the in the upcoming weeks.
2: I'm not so gung ho on trading him because how terrible Jacksonville is, right? They're going to be playing from behind in all those games. So I would bank on volume there. I, the matchups are tough, right? Jair Alexander next week probably Kyle fuller that week against Chicago, Marlon Humphrey mixed in there against Baltimore. So like tough matchups uh, three weeks ago, I tweeted DJ Chark the last two weeks, 21 targets for eight receptions and 71 yards. Yeah. Like Minshew, we talked about Minshew's numbers, how they weren't like that bad on the surface, but he was just missing Chark every single time. Like 21 targets, eight receptions, 71 yards. So the the targets were still there for Chark, and then you insert Jake Luton, who's... Jake Luton is Jake Luton, right? So this tweet, I also included a GIF of Trevor Lawrence putting on a helmet, assuming, okay, we're either getting Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. In Jacksonville. But behold, we have Jake Luton, who hmm. is a capable downfield thrower, which we saw on his first completion in his NFL career was an absolute laser beam to Chark running up the left side, who ran with it for a touchdown, like 75 yards or something. It was it was awesome. But yeah, I mean, the target share is the same. It, he was just, Luton was actually able to connect with Chark, and it's exciting because everyone had super high hopes for Chuck this year and he's been quite the disappointment with how bad God no Minshew has been trying to throw him the ball
0: speaking of bad bad wide receiver of the week in a smash spot at Buffalo Tyler Lockett ooh not good just four catches for 40 yards on seven targets eight points in PPR um back-to-back four catch weeks for him after he went god mode at Arizona for 15 200 yards three touchdowns 53 fantasy points one of the best games of all time what the hell I the the consistent thing in the Seattle offense is DK Metcalf almost 100 yards in every game this season uh the inconsistent thing is knowing when Russ is going to check down essentially and, and look to lock it. has got more crossing routes. DK's got more downfield routes and Seattle, with the defense, the way it is playing from behind playing down, um, no faith in the defense whatsoever to hold a lead. If they were to ever have one, it's been a while. Um, I think that the go-to target on the offense obviously is DK and, and playing as a secondary receiver is lock It's not a who's going to be it this week or that. I think at DFS, you confidently could pick DK Metcalf every week because you never know when he's going to go for more than 100 yards on those catches or more touchdowns than what he already gets. But DK is the red zone target. He's the deep threat target. He's the third down target. And Lockett previously had all those roles in the past, last year even, with DK on the field. But DK Metcalf's ascension, to not only the top receiver on this team, but arguably, in a lot of people's minds, the top receiver in the league with connected to Russell Wilson, makes Lockett second tier. And he, he's not that consistent guy you can count on anymore. am not saying bench him, because he does have that pop ability. But holy shit, Buffalo was an absolute smash for him. And they played from behind. And he had four catches in the game. Just not something that you you like to see. Obviously, if you're a Lockett owner, sure you could try trading for him, but I don't think that there's any consistency in this uh, buy for Tyler Lockett right now in seasonal or even dynasty leagues. Like it is the DK show. Grab your popcorn, sit down, and watch 14 work. Uh, Tyler Lockett is not that guy anymore.
1: Tyree Kill was once considered the big boom bust receiver in the NFL, and now that man has been delegated to Tyler Lockett, you just wish that Tyler Lockett's touchdowns could be evenly distributed over the past, uh, I guess, eight weeks that he's played Uh, because six of his seven touchdowns came in two weeks. And that's ultimately what's killing him week to week is, you know, the fact that he isn't finding the red zone. And when he does, he's doing it multiple times. It's just you want to see some more consistency there. That's pretty hard to project, um, especially with how, with how DK has been playing and plays in the red zone, how big he is in the red zone. So it sucks, I'm sure, as a Tyler Lockett owner because you've looked at his production and it doesn't really feel like you've done a whole lot with him. But when he got, does go off, you're you're easily winning your weeks, right? And that's, that's the most frustrating part, you know, is you're going to play Tyler Lockett every single week you just need some of that touchdown um point scoring to be spread out a little bit more. And that's really the the main issue with Lockett uh in fantasy.
2: And he only has three games over 70 yards, which is that's insane when you look at this what DK's doing and Russ is doing three games over 70 yards. Um the last five weeks his fantasy points is is wild too. Five point nine, eight point four. 53, which was that game against Arizona, 20 targets, 15 receptions, 200 yards, (laughs) and three touchdowns. Uh, So 5.9, 8.4, 53, and then 7.3 and 8. So he doesn't have double digits since week three against Dallas, which was that three-touchdown game that Bryce was talking about as well. 37 points, wide receiver one. Obviously, week seven against Arizona, he was wide receiver one. There and then, these last two weeks he's been wide receiver, sixty-two and fifty-four.
0: So you might think like who's taking away from from Lockett in the end zone other than DK, other than a tight end, he likes to throw to Greg Olson. Sometimes we saw that early in the year, not so much as of late. But it's David Moore, and David Moore caught the bomb uh, against Buffalo. He caught one in the back of the end zone against San Francisco, thirteen point six points against San Francisco and seventeen point one against Buffalo. Four catches. And last week's game, three against Arizona, three against San Francisco. Yes, he's the third option. I'm not saying that David Moore has passed Lockett on the depth chart, but that's who he's battling with. And we talked about it in, in Dynasty. If David Moore was on another team, we'd really, really want him. If David Moore ends up going to another team, I, I really, really want him. He's he's crafty. He's always open. Maybe that's because he's getting you know third-tier coverage. That third corner, that nickel corner, that linebacker, whoever, it's not a premier guy. But David Moore has been a really nice surprise for the Seattle offense. Um, Bummer for Tyler Lockett.
1: Yeah, you look at what David Moore's done. I mean, there's a lot more consistency when it comes to fantasy points. I mean, you've got four weeks in double digits. He got a touchdown almost every other game at this point. He's got four on the year. Uh, you're you're not playing David Moore, but if it's DFS, I think it's time to consider David Moore as a free yeah. square wide receiver to throw in because right now, I mean, they're, the odds of him catching a touchdown are, are, I mean, he's done it in half the games he's played in. So there's that, always that opportunity in DFS for a guy like David Moore. But uh, in seasonal, it, it it is hard to play a guy like him, and he's almost for sure on your waivers. So if if there's ever a uh, if if there's ever a, uh, an injury to Tyler Lockett or DK David Moore, I mean, holy shit, that's that's a guy you you want to either have stashed or a guy you're automatically playing upon injury.
2: I think we got to add uh, David Moore to our, our player pool of giga brain plays and yeah. cheap options on DraftKings at wide receiver because we hit. On well, all three of them last week, all three almost scored double digits at like $3,000 was Jakeem Grant, uh, Darnell Mooney, and DeMarcus Robinson. So sprinkle in a little David Moore there.
0: Yep. Yeah, I'm trying I'm trying to think of all the wide receiver threes or or at least notable ones that come to mind. And for whatever reason, I don't know why this is what it is, but Cole Beasley popped into my mind. Um, Curtis Samuel pops into my mind. Antonio, Guys like that. Antonio Brown now. I guess, yeah. Antonio Brown, yeah. But I don't know. David Moore is just another one of those guys that you could easily put in there at the top of your wide receiver three lists on the depth chart.
2: One of the most unattractive guys that I'd sprinkle in here too, that I actually might look at if they're in a juicy matchup, is Willie Sneed.
1: Willie Sneed. We talked about Willie him. Sneed.
2: We talked about him on Saturday a little bit. Yeah, when he's getting targets, like he's good, and he gets a lot of easy looks too.
0: And it and it all happens on one drive though. It's the Willie Snead yes. drive, and Lamar just peppers the shit out of them and they march down the field and kick a field goal because he can't score. Three
1: catches for like thirty or forty yards in that drive too. It's you're just
0: hoping they finish it with a touchdown, and they never can. Yeah. Uh, all right, on to tight ends. It's been enough talking about David Moore and Tyler Lockett's scrub ass this season. Um, Irv Smith Jr. Two catches, ten yards, two touchdowns. Bada bing, bada boom. No Kyle Rudolph. I mean, he had a couple catches over the middle, I think, but no Kyle Rudolph in the end zone. Chase, you called his second touchdown before the play happened. You said, no, play action, because you had Dalvin, and uh, they were just hammering away with Dalvin as as they should every week, and our, our player of the week, back-to-back weeks, was Dalvin, but you called it right before they go with like a kind of naked look for for Kirk, and he dumps it off into the flat to a wide-open Irv Smith Jr. Look, super young. I'm talking dynasty here. You probably... Yeah, a seasonal pickup easily in there with Ebron and those guys that can score touchdowns. But from a dynasty look at, at Irv Smith Jr., he's just good. He looks really good. He is super athletic for a tight end. Um, before the season started, Chase, you were saying he's just a big wide receiver. He's a big wide receiver. They have him line up a tight end. Um, yeah, I, I like Irv Smith Jr. a lot in dynasty. Uh, looking forward to see what he can do in this uh, Minnesota offense. and. Um, they've got him in at the goal line, and that's that's really what you're looking for in a tight end.
1: I'm just gonna pass this one off to Chase because I know this is his guy. So, so go for it.
2: Yeah, like I I, I want to be excited, but it's, it's actually such a shallow play playing him in DFS and just like in normal fantasy. Uh, the last two weeks, uh, week eight against Green Bay, Kirk Cousin threw 14 times, 14. Nice. And then last week he threw 20. So. Like this Irv Smith production was solely off of two ta- two receptions, two targets, two receptions, two touchdowns, and you get your fantasy points there. So like the play is super thin. Um, I didn't play him in season long. I played Mike Kusecki. I played him in DFS because of that price at $2,900 where you just punt tight end in a cash lineup and and pay up elsewhere. And I mean, that's literally what you're hoping for. Right there, so he's not a guy that I'm like trading for, not seeking him out for for seasonal. Watch, I'll watch his price again on DFS, but it's just such a thin play there with how Dalvin Cook is playing. If Minnesota's going to throw it 17 times a game, you don't you don't, <laughs> don't want to play any of that. You don't want to play any. I, what of I'll that.
0: say, what I'll say is the the tight end environment as a whole. What what's better? It's- yeah, I know there are guys that have scored more fantasy points this season than Irv Smith Jr. But outside of Travis Kelsey, George Kittle is done. TJ Hagendas has been great, and we've <laughs> talked about him a lot on the show. Darren Waller has been great, and we've talked about him a lot on the show and a friend of the show. He does the intro for the show. But after that, like I feel like Irv Smith Jr. is just as good a chance, despite the volume in this offense, as any of those other guys that are scoring touchdowns and the Jimmy Grahams and... Even Jonu Smith has been disappointing this season. Like I'm not saying I would start him over that, but I think he's in the same category as those guys this season.
1: I mean, the tight end landscape has gotten worse, it seems like, over the past couple of years. You sprinkle in Darren Waller as as the breakout tight end, and and then it's like one breakout a year, it seems like for 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 tight end with this year being TJ Hagendaz. Um and Irv Smith could be that guy next year. We'll just have to see. To
0: the bad tight end. Hunter Henry. Four catches on seven targets and 33 yards from Justin Herbert. Uh, This is not the Hunter Henry we knew and love. That's why I talk about Irv Smith being in the same category as him. Kind of hard to believe that at the beginning of the season where Hunter Henry was going as a, what, tight end five, tight end four for a lot of people. Up there with Waller and, and who knows what could happen in a, a Tyrod Taylor, dump it, look over the middle, pepper Hunter Henry offense. We're not getting that this year.
1: I don't know if I'm convinced that Hunter Henry is hmm, – what should I say? Uh, I think there was a lot of optimism in Hunter Henry following his injuries and even before that that he was going to be in this upper echelon of tight end studs. And I'm just not really sure if he's ever going to get there. I mean, you look at his profile and he's participating. He's on the field – a lot. He's just not really being targeted that much. Justin Herbert, I mean, how can you you really command a decent amount of volume when you have guys like Keenan Allen who commands the majority of that? Uh, Mike Williams who gets everything almost downfield. Guyton has gotten more involved. They're going to pass to Eckler when he comes back. I just don't know if there's a whole lot of opportunity for Hunter Henry. I don't even think I'm that interested in trying to acquire him in Dynasty. I think a guy like Irv Smith is someone who's way more appealing with much less competition, um, especially when Thielen is no longer playing there. It just seems like Hunter Henry, we're always waiting on him to do something, and I know it takes a lot longer for tight ends to break out, but I just haven't loved... Everything that I've seen out of Hunter Henry, and I'm just – I think I'm finally going to say it. I think I'm i am just kind of out on him in, in all aspects of fantasy football. Uh, am I overreacting? It kind of feels like it, but at the same time, I'm, I just don't think that there's ever going to be that kind of opportunity, even though Justin Herbert's slinging the ball around.
2: Yeah, I don't think you're overreacting. Uh, he's top 10 in – Every single opportunity metric that there is on playerprofiler.com. Number five in snap share, number nine in slot snaps. The chargers are number nine in pass plays per game. He's number seven in routes, number seven in route participation. Actually is seeing 6.5 targets per game, which is number seven among tight ends. And number eight in target rate. And then you hear all of that, and he's had one top 10 week so far this year. Like The dude is just not elite. He's just not getting it done. He looks pretty freaking dusty. We know the injuries have been there. Uh, But again, one top 10 week that came in week five against New Orleans, who actually this year has been really bad against tight ends. Four for 23 and a touchdown is what vaulted him into a top 10 week. Literally just the touchdown. and Four receptions, 23 yards.
1: And that's the only touchdown he has on the year.
2: Yeah. And that's the tight end landscape for you too, right there. You go four for 23 and a touchdown and you're a top 10 tight end on the week. Uh, what's, what's interesting is that he actually looked really good with Herbert uh, and pretty good with Tyrod Taylor as well. But what we saw with when Herbert played that game against Kansas City, when Tyrod Taylor got stabbed in the chest with the team doctor, mm-hmm. uh, out comes Justin Herbert. Eight targets, six receptions, 83 yards. fantasy points. A good week. That's his best week. Wasn't a top 10 tight end that week. But since then, um, 50 yards, 39 yards, 23 yards, 23 yards, 33 yards, 33 yards. There's just absolutely, there's nothing there. Like the dude's just dusty. It's all, it's not all going to Keenan Allen. Uh, It kind of is, but for tight ends, again, he's top, he's number seven in targets.
0: Well, like Like Bryce was saying, there's, yeah, there's Mike Williams, there's Guyton, there's Keenan Allen. That then there's hunter henry there's running backs like yeah before just, he was featured now he's not
2: he's just not he's just not elite there's, like yeah. dynasty wise i don't know would you It's nothing special outside about your top him. 10 or yeah. is the or is the position so thin that hunter henry probably comes in there around
1: he's outside nine. the top 10 uh there's some good tight ends coming out of this next draft class and we've got a lot of up-and-coming guys like Johnu Smith, Noah Fance in the mix now. Hawkinson's in the top five at this point. Irv Smith could be up and coming. Uh, it's Just Hayden Hurst is in the mix, but like at the end of the day, I just I wouldn't even pay a second for him. I we don't really buy tight ends. We talk about that on this show, but um, you're not seeking him out. Uh, I think maybe some people are with Justin Herbert at the helm, but I, I'm not. I'm just there's there's no point. I think that you're wasting your time if you're trying to trying to get Hunter Henry.
0: Yeah, I I don't like him either. All right. That's the good and the bad for week 9 in the NFL. Wanted to get to some eye-opener stats through the first 9 weeks of this NFL season. Um it's been fun. It's been a fun year, wacky year, COVID year, all that stuff, but uh we talked about it, I think, the show before the season, how we thought that points were going to go bonkers this year. And it's, I think it's still easily the highest-scoring NFL season uh, of all time for offenses and the defenses, uh, much like Seattle's, are getting shredded. Uh, just a lot of points. You can blame that on prep in the, in the offseason, everything having to be over a Zoom call or what. But it is what it is, and we're getting a ton of fantasy points this season. uh in PPR, no running back scored between eighteen and thirty six points in week nine. So we had boom, Talvin, CMC, and everybody else. We thought Chase Edmonds would be up there. Uh, Miles Sanders was out, Joe Mixon was out. um Alvin Kamara had a dud. Kind Alvin Kamara had a dud, game script. Yep. James Conner out a dud, game script. You can point the finger wherever you want. We had two guys that have good weeks and everybody else was, meh, not so good. Yeah, I think it has a lot to
1: do with the injuries, right? You know, no, no Miles Sanders, no Joe Mixon, no Austin Eckler. There's guys like that who, and Nick Chubb, you know, they're just not playing right now. And, and you're not going to see as many points. I think the league kind of already and has been transitioning to a more pass-heavy offense i think the numbers obviously support that analytics analytics are kind of in, integrated now in most teams offenses and and i think that this if your running backs aren't catching passes that you're you're just losing out on fantasy points i think this is a sign of what to come but i think it's also just an outlier a week for running back scoring
2: yeah, really, really weird week. And then you have that. I mean thirty-six points. That's kind of a high ceiling there yeah. with 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 Dalvin. So you get
0: 200 yards. Arbitrary mm-hmm.
2: number all the way up at to the top there, but you're not gonna see a running back do that that every week. Um somebody tell me about DJ Moore here. What the what the hell's going on?
0: DJ Moore's weekly finishes, PPR, over the last five games are this 19, 23, 6, 50. And seventieth hello, I traded for d j Moore in a seasonal league, thinking that you know after a slow start, he'd really pick it up and and start to really mesh with with Teddy The Robbie Anderson start would fade, and certainly Curtis Samuel would not be involved in the offense the way he was all that without Christian McCaffrey. the backup running back took over, and then once the backup running back wasn't being used as much, we're talking about Mike Davis, Curtis Samuel becomes this gadget guy on steroids that catches everything over the middle. He runs it in from the goal line. He get, uh, carries left and right. It's like a Percy Harvin without the head case and attitude, I guess. But DJ Moore is the forgotten part of this offense now where last year, what? Dynasty wide receiver six? Dynasty wide receiver five
2: for some people? He was up there. And yeah, I saw him at one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: At one point Holy. he was. And, you and look, now, now where is he? Now what are we talking about? This has been just a, a shitty, shitty year for him. Chris Consistent. Chris Godwin was number one
1: at the end of last year, and he's all the way down to like nine, um, maybe outside the top ten. I can't remember, but he's he's down the list. Like it, it shifts quickly, and one bad season can do that. I, I think maybe the where the process could have been wrong was. Expecting DJ Moore to com- command all this volume with a brand new head coach. And maybe we should have thought that the head coach was going to take this offense in- into a direction that didn't primarily focus on DJ Moore and that it, sp- it spread the ball around. Like maybe that's how Matt Rule was planning on running this offense the whole time. I don't want to play anybody right now. I think you avoid the whole wide receiver core. I think Mike Davis is legitimately the only play you can play on the Panthers.
2: I play Robbie Anderson. I'm playing Robbie Anderson, dude's been solid. I think clearly he's the guy to own in that wide receiver core and that I, I would still play him. Uh, would you guys agree, out of their receivers, it's gotta be Robbie Anderson?
1: I can hear yes. the pain in your voice, but yes, yes, I can.
0: I would say Robbie
1: Anderson's the guy.
0: Uh, in half-point PPR this season, Travis Kelsey's currently wide receiver, yes, wide receiver four, behind only his teammate Tyreek Hill. Uh, DK, the Greek God, Metcalf, and Devontae Adams. He was a first-round pick in a lot of leagues, and we say, don't do it, don't take Travis Kelsey. If you took him, that means he probably didn't take guys like Christian McCaffrey, obviously, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott has been a bust this season. Um, Dalvin Cook's been great. Alvin Kamara's been great, but... uh, where we've really told you to hammer down a running back. Make sure you get that first guy. Make sure you have one of the first top one, two, three, four, five, six picks so you can get a running back. Nick Chubb, another guy out. Eckler, out. Mixon and and Miles, they've missed time. They're going to come back this year. But Travis Kelsey was not a bad pick at the beginning of the year, especially because he's the only one. He's really the last man standing at his position other than Darren Waller. That's one of those higher draft picks. And, And Travis Kelsey in the first round, early second, Looks to be like a pretty great thing to build your team around.
1: It's insane. He's the only difference maker tight end besides you know George Kittle's in that mix, obviously. But even then, you know Kelsey is still the top tier, and he's thirty one. He isn't going anywhere for a few years. I think you do have to consider him as a an early ish second round pick. I know it's wild to say that, but when he does this, you're in and you're out. Like. At a certain point, we just kind of have to put our tight end biases aside and go. This guy is a guaranteed production every year, um, and he's outplaying the majority of wide receivers. And he's playing with Patrick Mahomes. I think that needs to carry a little more weight when we're um, trying to figure out how to draft teams going forward.
2: Yeah, he is the only difference maker uh, in this this dynasty league that we're in. Where I'm nine and zero, I start Mike Kosicki or david njoku or smith every so i was really looking for okay is there a tight end out there uh that i would the, that i would trade for to like make a championship push here and there's a couple options outside of travis kelsey uh but travis kelsey is the one difference maker that actually gives you an edge of the position you got darren waller there too but they in our league Darren waller's on a contender i'm not going to pay for darren waller that's not an option George Kittle's out for the year, I believe, most likely, unless he's in the maniac that he is and comes back and plays. And then outside of that, it's like, do I really want to trade for one of these guys when four for 23 and a touchdown gets you a top 10 week anyway? So no, like I'm just going to keep playing Mike Gesicki, Irv Smith, get lucky, two touchdowns, who knows? But if you don't have Travis Kelsey, it's like a toss-up every single week of who's going to do what.
0: Not only that, you're talking dynasty. You're going to have these guys next year or the year after, but seasonal too. Like unless you're trading for Travis Kelsey, what's the point in trading for a tight end right now? I have, I have TJ Hawkinson. I've lucked out with how great he has been this season, but all year I was going, there's a hole on my team and it's tight end. Apparently not. Cause he's tied in three on the season. And I never would have thought TJ Hawkinson would be there, but I don't think there's any point in trading for a tight end. If it's not named Travis Kelsey. Moving on. Jerry Judy's role in drew locks, five starts, uh, this season 8.4 targets per game would be 14th best among wide receivers 35% share of air yards would be 13th best and I would say he should have more targets because he's open on every fucking play
1: I I mean we know I love Jerry Judy um I love C.D. Lamb too this whole class is just awesome you know I, I'm so happy that we have this new wave of wide receiver coming in because there's so many fucking good ones. And I think you could easily make an argument that Jerry Judy's the best out of this class. I, I truly believe that. Um CeeDee Lamb's just in a better offense and and that's gonna help help him produce and, and Justin Jefferson is in a in an offense where he's gonna be the number one. Um but Judy so goddamn good and and Drew Locke is it reminds me of uh, Jay Cutler a little bit. Just a, a big arm, gunslinger, turns the ball over a lot. Uh, similar to James Winston, kind of that same type of quarterback. They're going to be throwing this ball around. Guys like K.J. Hamler is doing pretty well. Uh, when Sutton comes back, it's going to mix things up a bit. But, you know, I just think there are going to be some weeks uh, that Drew Locke has where he's, he's going to be throwing for over – You know, 250-300 yards and there's going to be enough to go around for everybody it's probably not going to be this year we've seen the team, it's in shambles, a lot of injuries sure, going forward though if we're talking dynasty, I love Jerry Judy, I want Jerry Judy on my team, I think he has the ability to be the number one in Denver I've been saying that for a long time Um, when I say a long time I guess not even a year, but you know what I mean Uh, it's impressive this team, this offense isn't, you know mind blowing by any means, but we do have to take into account it was against Atlanta. So there's there's some there's some discrepancies there. But at the end of the day he did what he was supposed to do. This guy's a stud, certified
2: stud. Yeah, Judy Lamb, Jefferson Rager. I love Henry Ruggs, man. Great, great draft pick Raiders. Good job. Real <laughs> real, real good. Real good. First receiver off the board. Dude's goose egging left and right. Oof. It is
0: rough. Uh, we already talked about Kyler Murray, but Brandon Cooks is uh, quietly produced over the last four games. You guys have been playing him in DFS uh, since week five. He's wide receiver six in PPR points per game. Uh, Will Fuller's in that offense. We've seen the injuries to David Johnson. Uh, but Deshaun Watson, since Billy Boy, Bill O'Brien left, has been really, really good in finding both of these guys for big games uh, pretty much every week since he left the team.
1: Yeah, I think Brandon Cooks is clearly one of the most underappreciated wide receivers in the league. Uh, every team he goes to, he he does well with. I th- I hope he stays in Houston for for a while longer. I think he's the perfect complimentary receiver in in that Deshaun Watson led offense, and I think this is the best fit for him as a as an individual player. I, what he's done the last five weeks is insane. Uh, we're not. Not playing uh, Brandon Cooks, he, he's going to be in your lineups, and you have to find a way to get him in. There's just always the ability of, of him ha- going over a hundred yards. There's the the team is awful, right? The team is not great, and they're going to throw the ball a lot. Brandon Cooks or Will Fuller, either one, they're both they're both solid plays every single week, every single week. Um, don't even hesitate on it.
2: DraftKings like refuses to price Brandon Cooks up as well. And I'm not complaining at all, right? He's like, he's 5,500 again this week. Will Fuller's up at like 66 or 6,700, which is ridiculous. I love both of them, but Cooks's floor 7.3 targets per game, and you're getting a guy at 5,500 with that kind of ceiling as well. Mm-hmm. If you watch the game last week, him and Will Fuller both scored on touchdowns from over 50 yards out and it was catch and run it wasn't air yards either they were i think fuller's was 77 yard touchdown he probably caught it 30 yards downfield made one guy miss ran 40 yards cooks caught one across the middle turned up the left sideline looked like he was at oregon state again tiptoeing up the sideline took it all the way to the house so like we're going to be playing brandon cooks again in in dfs this week which obviously if you're playing a guy in dfs if you're going out of your way to get this guy into your lineup in dfs clearly you're starting him in your season-long lineup so it's going to be another good week for brandon cooks
0: and and probably a waiver wire guy right not many people drafted brandon cooks if they did they dropped him and, and now look uh very very good uh, this middle stretch of the season uh, last one here jacoby myers is eighth in yards for wide receivers since week six so similar to the Brandon cooks uh production none bigger than what he had uh, on monday night huge game against the jets it was cam's favorite target early and often over 160 yards for the second year guy and i'm kicking myself because i dropped him uh in our dynasty league <laughs> jacoby myers this wasn't getting the volume that i wanted to see this is weeks ago weeks and weeks ago trying to clear some space for somebody else but um, easily a guy you could go snag for for super super cheap in the in the uh, New England offense. I think a lot of things are going to rebuild in there. I don't know if Jacoby Myers is an essential piece to that offense, but hey, this season he he looks pretty damn good and 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 solid with even a shitty passer like Cam Newton. He may not
1: be an essential piece in that offense,
0: but he should be considered as an essential
1: piece in DFS, knowing that. There isn't a whole lot going on in New England, and he seems to be the only guy actually doing anything productive. Um, I have a question on here. I want to know what you guys thought. Would you rather pick up Jacoby
0: Myers, because he's probably on your waivers, or Curtis Samuel? Curtis Samuel. He gets carries at the goal line. I can't explain it. I don't know.
2: Mm, I'm going Jacoby Myers. I think I want the team's I know Nikhil Harry's out, Julian, Julian Edelman's out, but twenty-four targets the last two weeks, and we've seen Curtis Samuel's kind of on the the uptick as well. But kind of in that scenario, there, I still think Curtis Samuel's kind of a gadget guy. Uh, he's being used more, but I want the I want the team's wide receiver one, even though it's tailored to New England and to Cam Newton, who has essentially zero floor in the passing game. It's the team's wide receiver one for yeah. me in in Jacoby. That's fair. I,
0: I like that. Close it though. Is. Yeah, it is. It's weirdly close. Um, with that, let's do it. Let's jump into week ten <clears throat> rapid fire. Indianapolis at Tennessee.
1: So maybe I was wrong about Indy's defense, but what's even more strange is to see Tennessee losing to Cincinnati and barely squeezing out a win against Chicago. When looking at this matchup, we have to focus on the Titans because at this very moment, the only players on Indianapolis I would consider would be Trey Burton and Jordan Wilkins, but I strongly suggest you avoid those two if possible. For the Titans, I'm looking at A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry while sitting Tannehill until I see a bounce-back performance or a more favorable matchup
2: eagles at giants i feel like i always get stuck with the shitty nfc east matchups anyways for the eagles it's carson Wentz. miles sanders should return travis fulgum and my tight end of the week dallas goddard On the other side, yuck. There isn't a single giant here that is appealing other than Evan Ingram if you're desperate at tight end.
0: Jacksonville at Green Bay, the second rendition of the great Jake Luton as he meets his master, Aaron Rodgers, at Lambeau. Jacksonville probably doesn't stand a chance in this game, but should be a great fantasy game on the slate. For the Jags, start James Robinson and Luton's favorite target, DJ Chark, for the pack. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, wide receiver one-ish, Devontae Adams, and Al Lazard, if he's a healthy start.
1: Washington at Detroit. Has one solid week from Alex Smith convinced me that Terry McLaurin will finish as a top 10 wide receiver in fantasy? You bet your sweet ass I am. However, when looking at the rest of the offense, I'm more pessimistic. If I had to take a shot at anyone else, I'm going with Antonio Gibson, who's currently RB15 on the year. For the Lions. Swift is very similar to Gibson in my eyes, but continue to play him as well as Stafford and Hawkins.
2: Baker Mayfield finally got a big win this this year, and it was against COVID, uh, as the Texans take on the Browns in Cleveland. <laughs> Speaking of Baker, he deserves a spot in your lineup this week versus a terrible Houston secondary, along with Jarvis Landry. We're waiting on Nick Chubb news, but even if he's back, I would start both Kareem and Chubb. For Houston, it's the usual. Deshaun Watson, Wolfo, or Brandon Cooks. And sub in D. Johnson for D. Johnson. That would be Duke, by the way.
0: Tampa Bay at Carolina. Two-point Tampa. Tom and the boys look to get back on track versus the CMC-less Panthers. Carolina looking to stay at the last, so the Bucs are tied for first in the South. I like Tom, Godwin, Fournette, if I had to pick between he and Ronald Jones. The Panthers, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, and DJ Moore are all quality plays. We just don't know who's going to score big. Play them as you choose. Everyone's favorite backup is back. Mike Davis, back to running back one territory.
1: The Los Angeles Chargers take on the Miami Dolphins. Damn, is the AFC more fun to watch with these new rookie quarterbacks thriving in it, am I right? We finally got to see Tua look to be the part as the future of the Dolphins, and in Justin Herbert's case, he earned the job after his first start. For the Chargers, it's Herbie and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams if you got nothing else. For the Dolphins, it's got to be Tua, Devontae Parker, and Mike Osecki, despite their lack of production. It's a matter of time before they start connecting with Tua as the few options left in the passing game.
2: Broncos at Raiders, Bryce versus Chase. Raider Nation, baby, for Bo. the Ponies. I like the spot again for Drew Locke after putting up points last week versus Atlanta. Jerry Judy coming off his career high week and Noah Fant are set up to shred. Melvin Gordon and Phillip Lindsay remain a headache for fantasy, although I do like Lindsay quite a bit more. It's always been simple for the Raiders, Carr, Jacobs, and Waller. I do think Ruggs will pop off at the end of the season, but he poses a bigger threat of a goose egg.
0: Buffalo at Arizona. Josh Allen, fresh off of 4 billion yards in a career day, meets Kyler in Arizona for arguably the game of the week in the NFL. I like Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, John Brown for the Bills. For the Cardinals, MVP pace Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, Chase Edmonds, and new must start Christian Kirk are all in my lineups this week.
1: San Francisco at New Orleans. Boys, this is a scary game for Nick Mullins to jump into after watching the Saints molly whopping Tom Brady last week. With recency, bias, and play, do you really feel comfortable playing anyone in the San Francisco offense? Maybe Jarek McKinnon and maybe Brandon Ayuk, but they feel extremely risky despite their guaranteed volume. For New Orleans, I'm playing Breeze with confidence. Alvin Kamara without a second thought and Michael Thomas never sees my bench as long as he's on the
2: field. The Seahawks fly south to SoFi Stadium in an NFC battle with the Rams. Simple for the Seahawks, and I'm rolling with the big three. As usual, Russ, DK, and Lockett. Avoid the messy Seattle backfield unless Chris Carson is back in a go on Sunday. We still don't know about him. Jared Goff gets the juicy matchup of the week, and with Daryl Henderson questionable, it is all systems go for Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and play DFS viable josh reynolds
0: cincinnati at pittsburgh welcome back off the bye joey b you only have to face the toughest defense in the nfl on the road not going to be a fun one for burrow and the Bengals in pa for cincy i'll start burrow i know a lot of teams uh, have to deal with fives and matt ryan patrick mahomes out this week i'm also starting tyler boyd t higgins are in at wide receiver and joe mixon if he plays Steelers I'm starting James Conner after a bad week I had to pick one of the wide receivers I'll take Juju and his resurgence but play them all and Ebron is a fine replacement this week if you're missing a guy like Kelsey
1: Baltimore at New England Lamar owners sit tight you're going to be fine benching him is never an option but as for the rest of the offense it's something to at least consider Hollywood Mark Andrews, J.K. Dobbins, and Gus Edwards have all, for the most part, been duds in 2020. But for this week, Andrews is the only playable option outside of Lamar. For the Pats, it's a hard pass on everyone knowing Baltimore's defense isn't favorable in fantasy.
2: Monday night, are you ready for some Dalvin? The Vikings shoot on down to Chicago to face the Bears on Monday Night Football. Fantasy's RB1 gets a tough matchup here versus the Chicago defense, but that is obviously not going to stop us from playing Dalvin Cook. No Kirk Cousins here uh, because he stinks. But I'd still play Thielen and Jefferson versus the Clampy Chicago secondary because of their upside. With David Montgomery and concussion protocol, i like for the Bears to rely heavily on the pass game. And that is a bonus versus the shitty Minnesota defense. That means Nick Foles is streamable, and I love Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney.
0: Teams on a bye, Atlanta, Dallas, KC, and the Jets. Week 10, rapid fire. Should be a good one. Uh, a lot of good games on the slate this week. Um, the afternoon games last week. Oh, my God. Speaking yeah. of afternoon games, what, we got six of them this week? First time six, ever. Yeah. Five in the morning, six in the afternoon. Holy awesome. mother nuggets. <laughs> I love it.
2: And and the Masters on Sunday as well. So oh, as, as we've got oh. six afternoon games going on, we get the back nine of the Masters.
1: Who are, we, uh, who are we rooting for in the Masters this year? What do we got? Are we always rooting for know. Tiger immediately, right? And then yes, the defending after- champ. I know. I, that's what I'm saying. With that
2: new, uh, yeah. new DraftKings emb- yeah. embroidery on oh, his yeah. hat. I, I'm, I'm oh. looking at Bryson. Bryson, baby. Oh,
1: Bryce. Dude, okay. He, he's clearly, clearly smarter than everybody else, right? <clears throat> IQ level 1000 for Bryson DeChambeau Now, can he follow up his last win with the biggest of the wins? Is that where you're putting your money on if you had a bet on
2: one of these golfers starting on Thursday? He's the favorite, so, I mean, he's got the best odds. Uh, there's some interesting long shots where you can throw five bucks out uh, on, like, Oregon scoreboard. We might have to do, I do know, shit, it starts tomorrow. Starts what, tomorrow?
1: What are the odds yeah. Morikawa
2: shocks the world? I can tell you what the odds are. I just have to look it up real quick. <laughs> That's
1: all right. That's all right. I, I just like the kid. He's young. He seems like he's a stud. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like the, golf's in a good place right now. I feel like there's a lot of really interesting guys uh, that are recognizable at this point where th- there's a number of players that could that could win this thing. Um, and if you're not a, a big golfer, follow it. I think this is a good time to get into it. Like, it, it seems like... It's shifting a little bit. I I don't know. It it could just be me. I haven't followed golf too closely in my life up until the last couple years and
2: I'm starting to I'm starting to really get into it. It's pretty fun time. So here's my take. Not a better there's there's obviously hasn't been a better year for a long shot guy to win the Masters this year. Because there's no fans. Yeah. We know that the what the environment that I guess it creates and the pressure and yes these guys are professional golfers but they're also human. You get these long shot guys who there's always going to be a rando or two um, towards the top of the leaderboard after round one, round two, round three, and then when you drive down Magnolia Lane Sunday at the Masters and you shit your pants <laughs> and, and 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 end mm-hmm. up losing. There's no crowds like it's still. Yes, it is the Masters, but I don't think there's there's not a better chance than we'll see. Thursday through Sunday for one of these long shot guys to to win The awesome thing is on Oregon scoreboard. These guys are like plus 20,000 So that means you could throw five bucks down and win One thousand and five dollars So I'm looking at like Adam Hadwin Dylan Fratelli Ben on like those are kind of three random guys that I like that I will probably throw out a couple bucks on these long shot guys and just see how they do make it a little more fun Are they gonna win? I mean, they're plus 20,000 for a reason um but like Bryson DeChambeau is the favorite. He's at plus 700. That's that's how golf works, right? When we're betting on football lines, these the favorites are minus 100. Uh, it's just so hard to win a golf tournament. Clearly, there's so many more contestants, so many more people that the favorite, Bryson, plus 700. You got Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, Roy McIlroy, and Justin Thomas are the top five.
0: Damn. Can't wait. What a sports weekend! And we're not going to have LSU Alabama. Not that uh, that game matters as much anymore. I mean, don't act like you're upset about it. LSU's been fucking horrible. I know. It's a cool game to to think it, about. Yeah. Last year was would have been a great game to to have on the calendar for this weekend. But
1: it's not just them, though. It seems like a lot of games that were somewhat anticipated are kind of kind of backing out. Not backing out. There's COVID going on. It's not backing out. That's that's the wrong thing to say. But it sucks because this is this is a big weekend, like you said. It's exciting. I uh, We want I mean, games. it just would
0: have been a much bigger deal if both teams were ranked and and, yeah. and to their normal prestige be in the top five. That sort of made it like. I remember when the calendars and the schedules all got released. That this was the weekend in sports to where um, everybody was going to be pretty excited with the Masters and um, college football's biggest games and of course this NFL slate that we have this week. But that's it. So that's we got week 10 should be a good one um stay tuned for the show on saturday the dfs deep dive and, and saturday sweat with the boys gonna get you all caught up on the bets for sunday and just just it's gonna be a shitty weather week here in oregon don't know where you're listening from but uh sunday is gonna be a, a nice day spent on the couch watching golf watching football and hopefully some good fantasy days for everybody we'll talk teddies with you next week